So I recently I've been using facts.com. Have you guys seen this? It's Netflix's internet speed test. Ooh. Um, it's, I, it, it's like, it's, it's like the regular, you know, normally you go to speedtest.net, you know, uh-huh. if, if you're, if you're a civilized person and it feels like a very heavyweight sort of thing that you do. And it tells you what your, uh, your, 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 your download and upload is or something. And, but here's the question I wanted to have for you guys is it's not so much a question of an origin story, but can you help me live with the fact that they rate all that stuff in MBPS. Like, what is that? Like, I don't, that's, it's like th- this one thing that we tether our life to is measured in a way that we measure nothing else in our digital life. <laughs> and it just drives me crazy. Like, no one's ever like, oh, I got a 20 megabits per second camera recently. Like, like it's just like everything else is measured in, in you know, so I got to learn these two systems. So, you, now, you don't I'm like saying divided by eight? See, okay, so divide, dividing by eight. Oh my God! Like some sort of Lord Octavius of conversion there. That's that's intense. <laughs> that's basically what I need to do is divide by eight. Yeah. So there are eight bits in a byte. And I'm gonna get a pin. <laughs> and so everyone wants to inflate how fast they are by talking about how many uh-huh. megabits they do. So when you say something is a hundred megabit, that sounds much more impressive than saying it's. Uh, What's the math? 12.5 megabytes per second. See, but that is, that's so much more handy. Well, I can deal with that. I think it's partially net, uh, marketing. I think it partially is network guys because like, you know, the megabyte was all about disk storage and really had a, I think is more limited by the, the eight bits. Whereas the, the network guys are just like, I don't care. Like how many bits are flowing through this? We don't really have to save it anyway. We're just going to switch this packet and move on. So we don't really, it doesn't really matter to them. Like it matters to people who have to store the data for long periods of time. And then I think probably I someone's see. like, Hey, we want to get to like, we, we just want to sound faster. And they're like, okay, we'll yeah. just, you know, we'll just convert to many bits. It's kind of like the whole, uh, you know, selling hard drives that are 100 megabytes or gigabytes or terabytes or whatever. And then when you slap it in your machine, it's actually like 98. <laughs> oh, that's how they get you. Exactly. always like that. Exactly. They, 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 they like to screw you with math. <laughs> and yeah. there's always some part of the drive that's like inaccessible to the operating system. So it's like, what is that? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Where's my, where, where is, why is Ralph Nader not campaigning on these issues? Yeah, this is what America cares about people. Megabits versus megabytes. It, it, it's, it's definitely something I feel like needs to be sorted out. You know, we we've been uh, we've been looking around at, at various schools for my son for next year, mm-hmm. and this is a question I might start asking them: Is are do you are do you have a strong curriculum that teaches the difference between megabits and megabytes? <laughs> because I uh, I'm, I'm going to need I'm going to need my children to help me out with that. <laughs> You know, I I, now actually, over, I I know the school for that. <laughs> I think now over son, in Australia, over in Australia, do, where, where do they do they use megabits or are they a megabyte culture? Oh no, everyone uses megabits. It's it's standard and ah, yeah, and it's, it's the uh, dominant paradigm. They're, they're oppressing us with their megabits. I, I don't think this is the Australians' fault though. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, yeah, the the internet here is. Uh, everyone has warned me that it's generally poor. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yes. and then I tell them like, you know, where I'm planning on living and they're like, Oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully it's fine. I, I, I signed up, uh, so I, I got my lease. I, I you know, I, uh-huh. and, uh, I got a place to live now 
And on the sign up, there was just a, do you want internet? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Isn't there only one provider? <sighs> Essentially, yes. Isn't uh, it just all Telstra down there? Telstra. They're just like one, everything's Telstra. All the, all the yeah, landline stuff is Telstra. I'm, I'm, I'm here at the Cloud Foundry Summit, uh, which n- no longer, uh, you know, I would give you the discount code for the listeners because it's, it's already here. Uh, but we have uh, the, the sort of famous Dr. Nick is the MC. You ever come across Dr. Nick, mm-hmm. maybe in the, the rail days? And he's Australian, so he was, he was uh, doing a little jibe about uh, making fun of podcast, I mean, Comcast a little bit. And then, and then afterwards, he was like, yeah, but then also I live in Australia. We've nationalized the internet, so uh, our internet is crap. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, when, I, when I was at Google Next, they announced they were coming to Australia, opening a data center, and people got excited. The Australians got excited because they're like, oh, are they going to bring their internet with them? <laughs> but it's just cake. Somehow I doubt it. It, it comes in the next We all live in Austin, and now we are going on, like, I think the third year of the fake promise of Google Fiber. Like, no one I know has it. I, I signed up. I'm on the newsletters. Uh, nothing. I mean, it's it's never coming. It's they, like snake hunting. They, they sent me a yeah. T-shirt, and I was pretty upset. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, actually, more marketing actually just makes you more angry, right? It's like, hey, sign up. We're about to, it's like, what? Nothing's ever coming, ever. Yeah, well, it'll uh, probably come right after I leave. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's right. Jester, next week, Google Fiber. As soon as probably. you move out, it'll be probably. perfect. Yeah. yeah, that is frustrating. It has been a long time. Like, yeah. I, I think uh, there's, there's, there's some people I know who live in the South Congress area, and I think they have Google Fiber. Have they get all the good stuff down there. Not just, like, have they actually are using it. Not like they've been out to the house and done the wiring. Like, someone actually... Fair enough. Fair enough. I've not heard Fair of enough. that. So, so, also on this topic before before we uh grill matt about his travel experience because i always want to know the travel experience from uh you know farm to table so to speak uh, like uh i have a question for you guys so when you go out to a conference and they have the inevitable it's either it's usually i think i think it's usually on the first day they have the the fajita slash burrito bowl lunch mm-hmm. do you eat it and and what's your strategy you know being all of us having lived in Austin for as long as we are, right? Like we have feelings about Tex-Mex food, no doubt. But what do you do? What do you do with, when, you're, when you're faced with the burrito bowl fajita situation? All right. Pro, pro tip right now. The tortillas uh, are always terrible. Oh, see, now that, this is, this is what, what I'm looking for. That's like, I wouldn't even think of that. That is the, so true. The tortillas are never warmed. And so they're like straight out of the plastic bags. And so they're, you know, yeah. they're kind of you know they're, they're not good so um yeah i usually go Boy like, tortillas i i usually make like a, a salad um yeah i would say the same thing chicken get the i know matter you're not on the chicken thing but just take some chicken get some beans some lettuce maybe the fake salsa which is really just tomatoes just just have uh, yourself like a light salad skip the tortillas because that's bad carbs and it's just bad food so just like wait we're gonna eat that get some good stuff later have a few more beers right like you know if you're trying to watch what you eat Chips, I don't know. They have some chips. Generally, try to stay away from those. But um, and then you know, really, just you're just really trying to have like a nice solid salad to just carry you through the last four hours of your sessions. Yep, I, I think I think that's good. Go ahead. Well, and then, and then you know, come like three o'clock, they roll out the ice cream or cookies, and you're like, oh, geez, you know, do I need a sugar crash? You know, coming right after that. So 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 my my uh, my my taco bowl eating tip. <laughs> went out and about is 
they're use, usually always guacamole or guacamole, but they've hidden it somewhere. Right? <laughs> they, they all, it's, it's very rare that they actually have it on the main line. It'll normally be like hidden somewhere on a separate table. So if you don't, if you don't see the guacamole, you should go look around for it. And now there's going to be two types you're going to encounter. You're going to have like the good guacamole with chunks in it. It, looks, it feels like kind of fresh and good. And then there'll be like the Cuisinart guacamole. And, you know, they're both okay. They're, at the end of the day, it's still avocado that's been seasoned and is delicious. But, that's, you know, you should hunt around for it. Yeah, and, and, and everybody knows you've got to hide it because guacamole is a money food. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's well known. That's what you load up on. Just You're like, you got to load up on the money food. You got to get the most dollar <laughs> for your buffet. Uh, well, speaking of loading up on money foods, Matt Ray, you have uncovered another in a long series of completely nonsensical economic indicators that the joyride <laughs> may be over. And that is, that is some, some people at, at certain Silicon Valley companies. Uh, are saying that the snacks are decreasing not only probably in, in quality but quantity, and, yeah. and so I don't know the, the the snack tracker is going in the wrong direction as the, far the, as I can tell. All the snack trackers are going down into the right. Nobody wants their snacks to go there. <laughs> and first of all, first of all, who is keeping an eye out for the snack vendors? Right? I mean, they have they have people they need oh, to feed. That's probably like a, a an economic indicator. The snack vendors and the ping pong vendors, like they're the ones who feel the brunt of the the pain. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the situation like over there in Australia, Matt Ray? Is uh, it uh, do they do they have lots of snacks for tech workers? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you, you should have found that out already. I mean, this is this might be a deal breaker. <laughs> what have I got myself into? <laughs> <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. Uh, it's you know, all Vegemite. That's all it is. It's just Vegemite everywhere. Oh, it's unlimited Vegemite. Oh, man. That's how they, like the worst fake peanut butter that's nothing like peanut butter ever. <laughs> it's, it's like salty. I don't know. It's like umami spread. It's just uh. awful. Don't eat any Vegemite. Don't don't try. Don't become one of those guys. It's like yeah, actually, you just gotta try. It. You just gotta like develop a taste for it. No, no, you don't. It's awful. No, oh, I I maintain you have to try it so you can have an informed opinion about why it's not good. <laughs> no. It's like sour milk. No, you don't have to. No, it's like it's you know, you, you know there there are certain you know you you try it just so you know like that wasn't for me, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's that's what we try to do with our son. Just he has to take a bite of everything, and he's he's pretty good about it. And then and then he proceeds to like spit it out in his napkin. Remember that <laughs> spitting things out in napkins? I'd forgotten about that until I had a six year old. <laughs> well, well, clearly he he's gotten past the stage of just you know retching over his plate as he. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that stage. <laughs> it's sort of like the drive by chewed food drop. Just kind of like like there's a forest fire on his plate, and a big helicopter chewed up food gets dumped on. Oh man! So, so I I don't know what the snack situation is. Um, most of the uh, you know I've gone and visited a couple of companies, and everyone immediately just takes me over to you know a cafe. We go get coffee. So yeah, we drink a lot of coffee here. Um, that's good. And if any time it's been. After about three o'clock, they're like, let's just go to a bar. And so uh, either people work, get to work really early or they like to blow off early. Um, I think you've made the right choice, Matt. Right? Mm -hmm. This is uh, the things are looking up. <laughs> Never mind the snack situation. Matt, were you there on a Friday? Because what I have heard is that it is very cultural and accepted that the 
that it's a very early weekend start. Like oh, yeah. three o'clock. It's like Friday is it's very uh, customary to be either out with customers or just leave your office early. Yeah. And can you confirm or de- deny such behavior? Uh, I could totally confirm it. Um, I, I think uh, I, not this time, but last time I was here on a Friday, uh, we had, uh, I met a partner for lunch and we were drinking beers to about three. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. and then I met that, you know, some some other partner, another partner at about four o'clock. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds like uh, as as we call that in in concur business meal. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. <laughs> Libations. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nothing. I, lo- like. I, I love the business meal. Yeah. Yes. Have me some business meal. meals as much as possible. Oh right. yeah, that's exactly what it is. So uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of business meals getting expensed. Um, a lot of Ubers. Uh, mm. it's rub it in, Matt Ray. Rub it in. <laughs> yeah, we 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 Just haven't, we haven't recorded. The, uh, we haven't oh. recorded since the 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 infamous Austin. Oh, this, not we, like this could go seven right. hours of just me ranting about yeah how disappointed I am in all of Austin, everyone. Just just <laughs> maybe one of the worst decisions. All right, all right, all right. So so let's 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 as as someone who I think I think you've gotten over this. This was quite some time ago, Brandon. But as someone who would analysis paralysis themselves into never upgrading their hardware. Right, like you cover all the options and the what ifs. You yeah. must have studied the issue a lot, right? So, so what what was the deal with this uh, this proposition? All I know is something about safety and uh, and Uber is a bully, and and, and now there's no yeah. Uber well, it seems Lyft. to just break down this way. Like Uber didn't and Lyft. I guess you know if people are if anyone's using Lyft, they did not want to require the drivers to have to go through the fingerprinting process. Uh, you become a licensed safe driver in Austin. So that was what this whole initiative was about. Was like voting. And is it really is it really only about you had to go get your fingerprints checked and then I assume file that somewhere? Yeah, and it costs it basically costs money. And so Uber you know, they have their own uh, background check process. They basically said, Hey, this is good enough and they don't want to change their business model and require, you know, all the drivers to do this. Um Taxi cab consortium, whatever, said, no, this is the way it's always done. Everyone needs to do it. You're safer. Um, because, like, we all, like, actually were really barely felt safe that our taxi cab drivers had been fingerprinted because, like, we all knew that before all of this, right? Of course. Of course we all did that. So, anyway, the big vote was, hey, you want them to just, like, keep having Uber and Lyft and just let them keep doing their background checks. And of course, you uh, didn't have to use it if you felt so inclined and you were just so nervous about being in an Uber without a fingerprint or a person, you could just call it the taxi clap. But, or you could, you know, say, no, no, we can't have Uber and Lyft because we need to have this fingerprinting thing. So, of yes. course, everyone that's following it, the vote went against Uber and Lyft. So, if you're on that side. And from what I can tell, the main objection was people in Austin. Uh, were upset that Uber was aggressively trying to get out the vote. So just just to follow the logic, like we had this great service, we wanted to keep it. Uber wanted us to know about it. They told people in Austin to go vote. Those people then got mad that Uber was somehow bullying us. All oh, right, uh, right. Yeah, I, 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 I heard. And so heard, now heard, now yeah. we can't have anything. So it really worked out well, Austinites. Good it, job. It, it, Good job. Worse. Because like you know what's good is if when we have bad laws and at your office, like everyone's office, like there's some stupid policy. The thing that we want to do is make sure we never change it. Absolutely under no circumstances. Yeah. Don't send an email and say, like, this policy is stupid, we shouldn't do it anymore. In fact, be like, we should keep this policy. I like this crazy expense system. 
make it more difficult for me. Because that's what we all want in our day-to-day lives. God forbid someone, you know, try to institute change. <clears throat> yeah, so you're right about that for hours. To uh, summarize my uh, my final thought on this is like, yeah, yeah, if you come here, be, be prepared to wait for a cab because there is there is no Uber and there's no Lyft. Yeah. So, it, so, but in Germany, where I was two weeks ago, or Matt Ray in Sydney, Australia, somehow they're safely operating. So, good luck to you, Matt Ray, getting to the airport. I hope that non fingerprinted Uber driver is uh, is safe, and I hope you're willing to take that risk. I have a rental car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now that sounds risky. Yeah, so I've been driving on the wrong side of the road on purpose. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, watch out. Everybody in Austin, watch out in se- about 17 hours. Yeah. yeah. You know, no. you know, the, the thing, the thing I, I, uh, maybe I have, I, have, I have to admit, I haven't searched around a lot on this issue. But, uh, you know, we, we adopted both of our kids, so we had to get fingerprinted and background checked and, like, asked if we were, like, you know, heroin users or had ever killed anyone. <laughs> like, it's a great process. I... You should really just look into it. Uh, but, uh, like, I think fingerprinting costs, like, $75. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I mean so we're all... When Uber says they have 10,000 drivers. Yeah, I mean, just purely look at the operational nature of it, right? So, oh, I bet you could negotiate that down to maybe $50 a piece if you, had, if you brought 10,000 customers. That'd be a long line. But it's just sort of like, uh, I mean, I don't really see what the uh, problem is. And then also, I was also thinking, like, they also have software developers last I checked. So they could probably do something like where you scan your finger and just upload it somewhere. And they could use this whole software is eating the world thing to optimize the cost. But it does, like, it's just fishy on all angles, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Or let me me offer another solution. They could just say, hey, like, a fingerprint is just some pointless biometric that's really kind of meaningless. We have plenty of other software ways to do background checks that will reveal you know, potentially uh, people we don't want driving. And then just like, hey, we don't even need this this step. We can just do it without it. Yeah. You know, for example, that works in uh, every part of the world except Austin, to be clear on that. So, you know, it seems like they have a good case to be made that, like, it is working in other parts of the world. Yeah. yeah. The regular economic science kitchen we got going on here. A little, uh, little testing out what works out. But I was hoping, Coach because I know you're, like, you're, you're maybe more plugged into, like, I, I don't know, the even more liberal side of Austin. I feel like you are. Maybe if that's not right, tell me. Like, so is there <laughs> – I don't know. Like, is there like another like? I don't even know. What's the like most leftist view of this? I have a hard time getting on the other side of this issue. Like, what is, what is the case? Like, other than taxi cab, um, 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 cartel. I mean, uh, someone okay. make the other case for me. I mean, they they downplayed the taxi cab thing. That was one of the problems Uber had. Was they didn't, they didn't, the taxi cab companies shut up. And this became a fight between the city and Uber. And so what you had were people were like, here's a big company from out of, out of state that's coming in and trying to change our laws for us. That's the, uh, the argument on the other side. And, and what do they do? They, they spend, was it $100 a, pers- a voter in, in outreach? You know, you got you know, a dozen texts and a couple phone calls and a dozen mailers. And you know, they just tried to flood the thing, and people felt like it was a carpetbagging kind of thing, you know. Even though they, yeah, were- I, I, I heard they uh, they even hired uh, ice cold memories from Friday nights to come and help, like rally people up. I forget that guy's name, but you know, he's good old ice cold memories. But uh, like, yeah, I, I mean, okay, I'll try, I'll try to uh, you know, parrot the uh, come up with a with a liberal answer 
I mean, Jesus, it's just like you live in a, a vegan clothing optional co-op for two years and suddenly you're pegged as a friend of the liberals. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Cortez are undercover hit. So... I think I think I think there there's there's a couple of things. First is 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 what Matt Ray uh, identified, which which is you know ultimately completely bunk. You know you only you only dislike it when people with money throw their money around to accomplish something. You only dislike it if you don't agree with it, right? Like <laughs> if some big super liberal person came around and was throwing money around to turn it over, people would be like, oh, that's great love spending money so inherently spending money is not bad now if you go read that dark money book like even when you read that stuff the only thing that's annoying about it is is when people aren't following the spirit of all these charitable organization things right i mean it's sort of like you know not to rat hole on this too much but you got to be careful like what how you limit spending to like change the world because you might want to spend money someday, right? It's, it's sort of like you, you got to like, it, it's just like it's a free-for-all. That's the way the system's set up. It's uh, laissez-faire or whatever, you know, Roquefort and other people would say. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but so there's that. And, and, it, and it is like, you know, I don't really know how to analyze or weight Uber's sliminess uh, feel, if you will, right? Like it felt slimy. Most people. Yeah, I mean, mo- no, I mean, just as a company, regardless of anything, I, I think, like, I think it, most, people, most people would basically be like, I enjoy using their service, but I'm not sure I appreciate their existence as an entity, right? And, and you know, I, you know, you hear people saying that their executive team is bad and, and it's just kind of slimy, right? Which, which again, like our, our as, as we like to jokingly say, our friend, as our friend Ben Thompson would say, uh, maybe in order to achieve such huge change, you require sliminess, right? <laughs> like, like it's just like there's not that many. Like, there there are way more slimy people who cause great, great like world changes than there are Gandhis. There's only so many Gandhis to go around. Right? <laughs> the, like, Gan- the Gandhi route's much harder, and, and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know, and less financially rewarding. <laughs> Certainly. But, so, you know, so. So, so that, that's the other thing is like, so already you've got this sense of let's, let's say like a Gordon Gecko 2.0 situation or, or worst case scenario, kind of like a Tony Stark, except he's not Iron Man. Right. <laughs> like, like, and that, that kind of person as, as someone who used to hang out with, you know, the clothing optional vegan hippies, like that doesn't fly. Yeah. Like that's, that's no good. Like, um, it's only like when everyone's drunk that you go to the frat house next door and like share in the libations. Yeah. So, you know, Uber, this, this doesn't work out well. I mean, Uber messed up one, one really solid way. If they, if they wanted people to vote, they should have turned it off before the election. Ooh. Yes, think about would... the, the shit show that broke out like, you know, Monday morning, what was it? They were like, you know, 20,000 drivers are no longer allowed to drive. And, you know, people are waking up and they can't get to work. They can't get to the airport. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, first thing Monday morning, things went sideways and people have been complaining about it for two weeks. You know, and now, then we turn, it turns out like the city wasn't even able to do fingerprinting like they said they could. It turns out bus drivers don't get fingerprinted in Austin. Um, right, yeah. you know, there's also I think they've already that said that they're not in, I mean, to further your point there, like, I think they've even said they're not going to enforce this law. Like they're not, they don't have the capability to enforce the fingerprinting law. So 
I mean, Social. in essence, like yeah. it's just not even possible to implement it. So again, it's, yeah. it, it yeah. kind of goes back and, to like, what is the point of all this? And, also, and then, and then, and then I, I think, I think the third category before I forget, <laughs> we changed. It, is, Keep going. Is, oh, is, we're still on the liberal case. Keep going. Yeah. Yes. Is basically, uh, I let, let's call it the, uh, the kindergartner walking home from school problem, which is as my son demonstrated the other day when he didn't, uh, find the person who was supposed to pick him up from school the other day, he's perfectly capable of surviving a walk home from school. Now, he's never seen that movie. Is it short? Seen that movie. Uh, but, like, you know, th there is a question of, so if it only costs $75 and it makes us safer, do we really need some, like, economic analysis chart of, like, it's not worth it for the risk that we're taking, right? Like, it's this issue of, like, if you can pick up your six-year-old and walk them the few blocks home from kindergarten, why would you risk it, right? Like, you want to remove as many risks as possible. Yeah. And then this is, this is further compounded by the problem that the, the people that the safety is being put in for are typically not the people who are ranting against uh, putting the safety in, which is to say sort of well-off, secure uh, white men, right? And we're just like, we don't need any of that. And then, and then like, we're cool. Uh, and because uh, we talk like that. But, but it's sort of like, you know, we're, we're kind of like saying that like, hey, anyone who might want to have this, uh, don't put it in there. And then, and then again, this is the first, because it's why I raised the first thing is like, I don't think $75 is that big of a deal. And furthermore, um, I know it's sort of like putting the burden on the workers who already have razor thin margins, but like Uber would just make the drivers pay for it. Yeah. And, and so they would, they would have to pay some cycle. They would have to pay. So what are the consequences of giving in as I'm sure they would think about it? They would have to pay some cycles to process that. Right. So that's probably going to cost them. It's going to slow them down. Let, let, let's say, let's just ballpark it. It's going to cost them $300,000 in time and money. Like it's probably going to take a, one or two developers, some QA people and some designer, like a month's worth of work to like hold up your phone and take a picture of the thing. And then we process it. Was it a bam, right? They could probably even cut a deal with whatever the processor was to like be someone that like totally lead gins from an Uber thing into the fingerprinting. And then like, you could just like do a bunch of like money changing hands on, on the back end of that to make it net zero. But then the other, the other thing that they're giving into is like, well, if we give into this, what's next? Yep. Right. Which, which is, which is both a valid and also not so scary question. Yeah. So, so <laughs> right. Like, I mean, the, the like, it's like, well, I don't know. There are things next. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the two, those, those two things are, the, the fingerprint scanning that they do only checks the state of Texas. And so yeah, even, yeah. Even, the, even the, this is the old, this is the old uh, Amazon battling state taxes thing. Yes. We're like, Oh my God, it's going to run the company out. Hey, we just pulled in a couple hundred million dollars in profit last well, year. I mean, I mean the, the fingerprinting, did, like they only check your records in the state of Texas. So if you break the law in Louisiana and move to Austin, you can drive for free. You know, and, and, and so even the chief of police testified that sure. not, it's not useful. And Uber came out and said, you know, oh, all these people that we flagged that we wouldn't hire, they now have limousine licenses with the city. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's just weak sauce all around. I mean, I mean, my, I, I have, I have a, not an overly complicated position. My first position is like, $75 that you could probably negotiate down to $50, not a big deal, right? So like, that's not really an issue. The other, the other thing is like, 
and 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 I have discovered that most people don't walk through life doing like sort of like Terminator thing in your eye style risk benefit analysis constantly, <laughs> right? and and like it just seems like it just seems like the risks are pretty low. Like you have two devices that are being tracked. Now, granted, someone could snatch you or your device away, but then that could happen in any situation, right? So it's like. Like you've got two devices, two phones that are being tracked constantly. Uh, in theory, they could, you know, you could use those phones. And then there's also sort of like if if delivery was done to the right place, and like, I mean, there's all these things which which is which basically says there are very few ways that this could be a, made into a much more safer system. Let alone alternatives that are safer uh, and like reasonably more expensive right and again i don't feel like 50 dollars is that much to pay yeah to, to do something so it's all both sides are a little like ski when when it comes to it but and then and then of course it ends up as i think brandon was rightly ranting it's like oh and now we have nothing yeah it'll be back they'll they'll sort it out you know probably just in time for google fiber Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to bring up one other point, you guys, around this. That was I, not. This, this is a, a bigger question. I I feel like this is very symptomatic of like where Austin is is like a like wannabe tech town, right? Like I do think you can like extrapolate from this. It's like you know, there's kind of like the, all these things going on in Austin. It's like a lack of venture capital. Um, I, I I think one somebody described Austin as like a town of acquisitions where we don't like necessarily have really big companies. We have small companies that get acquired, or we have like kind of remote offices to lots of big companies that have done some acquisition here. They want to like, for example, Apple's here in Austin, but they're like their call centers here, and they're like we got like ten thousand employees. But it's not like the product side, right? It's not like the uh, um, the engineering on the the power max is here. Exactly. Exactly. My point made, right? The power max, it's like the enterprise stuff that's sort of on. And I just think this is where, like, it's a frustrating thing to live in a, I think, a cool city. And I think we do want, but we don't really aspire, like, for any, um, like, big ideas in tech, right? Like, we, I don't know, this is a city we seem to be very kind of uh, second or third tier as far as, and I think this, like, this is just a symptom of it. Like, you know, why would you come to Austin to start a consumer based? you know, uh, gig economy type company, right? I mean, right. like we kind of give all the, the uh, you know, it's like, well, you know what we need here is another uh, enterprise monitoring company, right? Like, which has been built like- <laughs> Or, or another marketing. Yeah, or not, exactly. And it's just frustrating. It's like, this seems yeah, like we could I, be so much more. I, I, think, I, think, I think in contrast, I have a lot more sympathy for the, I don't know what they call it, but they're like uh, trying to uh, extract taxes out of like HomeAway and Airbnb. Like that, that's a little more straightforward. It's like, oh, hey, good job routing around having to pay occupancy taxes. Party's over, right? Like it's just, it's just basically like, I sort of get that like, you know, you're doing, but basically you're running a hotel business and like we have, you know, we have decided that one of the ways we're going to raise revenue is that when people like rent hotels, we just, you know, go into their wallet and filch out a bunch of money that hopefully their companies are reimbursing them for. So what do they care? But like, that's a little more straightforward in, in, in at least in my mind, as far as like, it's consistent with sort of the business you're operating in. But yeah, I mean, I mean, to your, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the issue that like, as a, as a native Austinite, like I feel comfortable, like, uh, you know, kind of bashing Austin a little bit, like, like we're just like a lifestyle tech city. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fucking work. Like, and, and like, we don't even, 
it's like and and uh to some extent like i don't mean to sound like the old the old hippies that i used to always hear in the 80s but like yeah it sounds great i uh we've aspired enough yeah airing is done with like let's <laughs> let's just reap the rewards let's of go, our aspiration in the past go hang out by the lake let the young kids downtown like uh sort it out when there's their snacks with their snacks <laughs> let's cut out early on a friday and you know I, I think yeah. I'm to a slightly yeah. slacker town. So, I, I think I think I think I have a lot of discussions with people. Uh, uh, this is like episode where we don't pay attention to the, the the show agenda, which is fantastic. But I have a lot of discussions with people who like uh, they talk about like it's hard for them to hire, and I was just telling them to open an Austin office, right? There's lots of people you can hire in Austin to do your software development and things like that. And uh, so that's what I would say is like, uh, yeah, it'd be great just to be like a place where if large companies want to open a new branch, they just open a, uh, they call them data centers nowadays, but just, you just open a big campus like General Motors or Home Depot or whatever. And just, uh, yeah, we got lots of programmers who, who yeah. want some jobs and, you know, there's a lot of those, those, uh, those old guys with the, the goatees and the Harleys that they ride around all the time. You know, we got plenty of those kind of architects, <laughs> the Harley architect. Oh, I know that. Guy. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, that's a good yeah, persona. See? We do have a lot of Harley architects. We do, there's there's like, like a, a website. Does that a, website exist already? Someone needs to build that. It's like there's there's a, there's at least one one Harley architect for company, if not more. It's just they, it's a it's an N plus one situation. They worked at Tivoli or they worked at Trilogy, and you know. Oh sure. Oh yeah. 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 Well, speaking living of the dream, <laughs> speaking of living the dream, um, and, and show notes, <laughs> see what I did there. Um, the Randy bias had a really good article about, uh, will containers replace hypervisors? And he uh, did. Yeah. The, the TLDR is in the title because he says almost certainly yes. Um, yeah. it makes a really good case for, uh, uh, I mean, I suggest everyone read it because it kind of breaks down why containers are going to replace hypervisors. Because um, in general, most people are running single operating system workloads on top of a virtualized version of that operating system. So why not use, you know, why not use containers? Um, yep. A little efficiency. Uh, I think he, he didn't really talk much about Microsoft's um, foray into the container space where they're, you know, they're bringing native containers to uh, the Windows Server platform uh, and adopting the Docker APIs. And so what you're going to get is, you know, and you need to run you know, Windows workloads, um, you'll do them in Windows containers using the same APIs on Windows servers, and you'll run your Linux stuff on Linux servers, and, uh, you know, never the twain shall meet, so you won't need hypervisors because you never have mixed workloads, you know. So, so what's, yeah. the time, what's his time horizon, or does he give one? Um, I don't really recall if there was a time horizon in the article, but, you're already no starting. time horizon. No time horizon. How long? I think. I think. Uh, I think it's safely sometime in the year 2000. <laughs> the old Tony Bryan thing. Yeah. I mean, we narrowed it to a millennia. Like, I, if if you look at how how fast or slow enterprises adopt things, I would say, you know, we were probably at peak hypervisor. Um, <laughs> we're at peak hypervisor. Yeah, we're at peak hypervisor. Probably okay. No, I mean, I, I don't see VMware. You What's know. VMware now? We almost should look at the stock. I don't, I don't know. As, 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 the, as the snack tracker descends, so I provide your use. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they're going to be some, some, you know, VMware is already starting to turf out some of their hypervisor products like uh, Fusion, and, and you know, they, they laid off a bunch of employees around that. 
um, you know, parallels split up into multiple companies and mm, parallels. Virtuoso. Um, Is that know, what those things called? Uh, you know, so. I, I think I think uh, I think that piece by Randy was great. I wonder if he's a Harley architect. He doesn't seem like, <laughs> like he could be, but he could. But uh, you know, one one, it's always shocking when you like read a piece of of analysis that has like some technical learning in it. Mm-hmm. Like he just all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, let me explain to you how this shit works." Bam, yeah. and and like uh, like he, it's it's I, I have a lot of conversations with uh, with with my uh, my my boss slash buddy Andrew Schaefer like that where he's like, "Cote, first let me explain to you how this works, and then and then we can draw conclusions from it," which is always very enlightening. And then he he, he I I think I think the 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 to summarize the compelling case, the compelling case that he makes and. I don't know enough about, uh, um, you know, virtualization or hypervisors to know if this is true, but I'll just take him on his word for it. Uh, the, basically, he says the only reason you need hypervisors at this point is because you're running multiple operating systems to de- and, and that on one system to deal with all the drivers mm-hmm. for v- your various hardware, which that sounds legit. And then so it's almost like the less operating systems you have, the less hypervisors you need. And then exactly. therefore, like, uh, like why, why would you need hypervisors? Like if we're all just running uh, Ubuntu or whatever, done, which, uh, which makes sense. And then he's got a really cutesy diagram that uh, he, he himself, I only say that because he says, like, this is obviously a simplification. But I, I think he doesn't even talk about unikernels in there. But there's like a little, there's a little flavoring of unikernels. How can and, you not uh, talk about unikernels every chance you get? He's, he's he's a disciplined guy. He's yeah. he probably only yeah, allows himself he probably only allows himself one or two buzzword uses a year just no. so that he can like, give it himself. <laughs> yeah, no, Randy, yeah you know you know Randy and Andrew used to work together. So I know. Yeah, it's a small world. Small small world. Yeah, I think I think it's a good piece, and and you know I think it's I think uh, just you whip out your mainframe and AS four hundred uh, sort of like penetration uh, charts, and that probably is indicative of what will be out there. Yep. But it is. Yeah. You're, you're going over the, all the stack that reminds me of that piece we, we pointed to a while back ago is, which was, if I remember to, to paraphrase it, good luck figuring out this fucking hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> like in once more into the fray, who, who wants their hot mess sorted? That's what we're here to do. So yeah. Hot mess sorting, hot mess sorting and the snack tracker. That's, that's what we got, man. I'm just pleased with myself for that one. <laughs> meanwhile meanwhile we got uh you also we have uh, there's an interview with diane green now the uh the, the google cloud head honcho saying that there's like there's like five percent of workloads in public cloud so there's a lot more left yeah that stuff's got to get gobbled up I, you know i i think the problem with with the approach there is i think a lot of the stuff that is easy to go to public cloud has already gotten there and mm. for google for Google to really gain more traction, they're going to have to go into the enterprises and make a stronger outreach. And I, I mean, I know I've been beating that drum ever since next, but you know, when, when you have a, a conference and you talk about, you know, enterprises moving into the cloud and you talk to them about virtual reality and, and, you know, AI, it's like, you're missing the boat. You know, I mean, enterprises, they want to hear about, <laughs> they want to hear about active directory. They want to hear about, you know, data storage and, you know, backups and, you know, Windows support. And well, Google has good Windows support, but you know, I mean, they they just kind of that 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 sort of like meat and potato stuff that is not sexy, not glamorous, and 
you know, it takes a lot of elbow grease to uh, sort out that hot mess, you know, to, to, to get people into your cloud. Because if you won't do it, you know, sure as hell, Microsoft and, and Amazon are willing to, to put in that effort. So Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, it's a little incumbent on, on, on whoever us is, but us as, as uh, sort of like armchair industry big shots to like figure out, like not just, just us, but th- there needs to be some theory of dealing with legacy IT that's out there, right? On the one hand, you've got the, uh, you know, you got your all like cloud native, run it in a container stuff. Yeah. Right. That's that's all cool. And then on the other hand, you've got like uh, the IRS still runs machine systems from the Kennedy Air. Right. So these are the two sides of the spectrum. Maybe like right over my cloud native thing over there is like serverless computing. Right. <laughs> and and, then, and, then, and so the question becomes like we got all this whole spectrum, and there's very few conversations that include all of that spectrum. Right. And so like, like we need something a little more, a little more first quantitative driven and then sort of like, like, uh, advisively, like it's safe to do driven as far as like what you do with all that. Right. And at the moment, I think, I think we're snagged all up on this, this debating bimodal IT or happy IT and sad IT or whatever, which is very unhelpful discussion there. But like we need some, some frameworks for dealing with all this stuff. I mean, you know, I don't like to, to be the, the chef evangelist too often, but that's actually a pitch that you know, we can make you know, with a straight face to some of these enterprises is we come in and, and, you know, say, you guys got a lot of Solaris, a lot of AIX. Does that make you sad? You know, and th- we say, but you know, we can put the chef client on those things and you can automate those machines and you know, take those workloads. And once you understand how to automate them on AIX, we can move them to Linux. And you yeah. know, we can we can move them into contain you know the same tool that can manage those you know it's legacy like, platforms can move you into you know today's hotness. Isn't it? And in in every in, in every sprawling hunk of heterogeneous IT, there's a there is a latency MDB waiting to pop out of there and transform <laughs> into a, a lean, mean, slim machine. Definitely. You know, if, I do you think though, the path. thing people miss to me on this whole thing, having watched many legacy IT uh, presentations and I don't know, being exposed to many of those things, it's like it's really not the technology. It's like the, I mean, it is to borrow Cote's uh, favorite phrase. It's the people in process that grow up around this system, like whether oh, yeah. that be Saber airline reservations or like, I, don't, I think people really underestimate like an entire company or all state or any insurance company, like their entire business is like really wedded to this software policy, like, you know, thing that they've created and to fundamentally, you know, change it is to like try to reinvent the entire company. Oh, and yeah. that is why I think, you know, like moving, yeah, sure, moving things from Solaris to Linux or things like that, or, you know, you can do it real incrementally, but, you know, to take on like how, like, think about like how a large insurance company fundamentally creates insurance policies and quotes in the systems, even if they're super archaic, is like yeah. putting, you know, in a whole company at risk. And that's why we do see some of these other, like your earlier discussion about Uber and taxis, like there is sometimes things show up and it's like, wow, it is it hard for people to, you know, to get their head around and the disruption is just massive. So, I mean, yeah, I do think it's interesting because the one other point I wanted to bring in here is like, you know, maybe, you know, this renewed interest in uh, AI, right? Artificial intelligence is the way like, 
because if you think about interacting, if you could just start talking to something and it, it slowly start to like, you know, do what you want, whether that's the Google, I know what Google <laughs> I, 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 I know what you're talking Kia or something, and then there's the Amazon Echo, and then there's Surrey, and then, you know, pitch for IBM, yeah. they have Watson. It's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the only way out is like when people are, are stop typing, but they can talk to this thing like, that can like slowly move, right? But if as long as it's keyboards and screens, people are so wedded to these systems, they're never going to let them go. So, so, so you're saying it's going to be like, um, hello, Google. Can you fix my my AIX for me? <laughs> can can you can you do the porting work and make this? Well, uh, what it'll be? It'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be. Uh, it'll no, be I, think, I think yeah, I every, actually would make the case. It'll, it'll, you'll you'll say Echo. I forgot my password. Can you change it? <laughs> that, that is that would be the best. Uh, I forgot my password. I don't know. I just look at it like, hey, I mean, it's all the same. It's just the same uh, dominoes being moved around, unless there can be some, uh, you know, because I do think there's a nice, you know, Ben Thompson, other people kind of channeling it, like services, meaning like you know, various you know services offered over the internet. Like voice does seem the only thing that could dynamically change as quickly as people, right? I mean, all these other things, we just get wedded to them. All these stupid systems. That's why people are still using Emacs and all these editors. You know what I mean? It's totally, oh. Exactly. It, it's been around forever. And it's like, you just can't, you know, you, you can't get rid of it. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be figured out or maybe in 20 years, we'll just be, you know, clicking away on that Sabre system when I'm waiting for that American Airlines upgrade. I'm like, I don't know. Am I going to get it? And she's just going to click, 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 uh. click. And it, eventually comes so, back. Spe speaking of that to use matt ray's line to be a bit of a pivotal evangelist just uh like actually matt curry from allstate he gave a great talk earlier today about changing the culture at allstate to do all this stuff and uh i'll have to put a link to it when the, the recording's up but it, it, it was it was exactly to your point brandon it was basically like yeah we install this technology that's fine and dandy and you know whatever uh we had to make sure that you know you know the pivotal little snacks could be refilled but like but after that it became like here's all the cultural stuff and dealing with it and all of that that we had to go through to change how people uh, would operate and do things and i yeah. think i think that's uh, that, that's a little bit more of like what i'm trying to angle towards is like how do you how do you determine like what you should change or not change and all of this and and i find very little discussion uh like strategic discussion out there about selecting what to do <laughs> and 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 what to not do right like like it's it's one thing to say that you've got uh you know uh mode one and mode two it or whatever these things are but you also have a limited amount of time during the day especially in australia where you know you basically are just drinking the whole time <laughs> and, and we uh, so by a, an hour <laughs> yeah so you basically just have the mornings uh monday to thursday because friday is just total drink drinking fest right <laughs> so but once lunch hits just drinks so uh, that's my geographic insult of the episode, but you know, so, but you only have so much time and you got to prioritize the projects you work on. And that's the kind of thing that I think it's probably the job of the management consulting shops to start thinking oh, about. God help us. Jesus. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's going to be a lot of spreadsheets right there. That, that's where the, that's what, who fits in the ecosystem. If you want to change the business, who does right. that? That's fair. That's actually a good point. Yeah. They are the, uh, the spreadsheet, yeah. uh, jockeys of choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I that, think that would be a good paper. Maybe you, someone, uh, you know, you know, Koto, you got nothing to do. It seems like you'd want to write it. Like, what about like outlining the workloads that you should never put in a container, right? Just say like, hey, it doesn't, it's not worth the time and money. 
because uh, I don't think yeah. like pieces like I don't know of anyone's really on the other side of it. Like, yeah, it seems likely everything will eventually. I mean, it's definitely the future. Like, who's our, who's making the counter argument, right? Yeah, to, to 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 quote my favorite uh, Dukes of Hazard DevOps, like uh, containers. That's what we put our potato salad in. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, uh, <laughs> so. Haven't <laughs> you seen that one, Matt Ray? Let me. Oh, you know what? You know, I'll put that in the show note. That's a little free recommendation. Recommendation. Not in my taters. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> my applesauce. Um, so who's boss hogging this? I this just falls apart. <laughs> it's it's Uncle Jesse saying that. That's what uh, we put potato salad in. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just had to type that in. Yep. yep. So how about uh, how about recommendations when you're not uh, when you're not walking to the beach or or fumbling your uh, your green corporate Amex out of your wallet to pay for yet another business meal, Matt Ray? What uh, what what are you going to be doing? Uh, well, um, trying to think what kind of recommendations I have. Uh, I'm I'm. Uh... You should just recommend Australia, just the entire country. It it's pretty great. Um, it's a nice. Do you have a discount really... code for us for that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I flew Qantas over here. It was it was pretty nice. I'm flying American back. Um, you know, got the partner share going, so you know, I'm getting my miles. Um, but uh, uh, my my recommendations, I had some uh, some some good Twitter content. Uh, you know, that that's just show notes kind of stuff. Uh, I've been reading. Uh, oh, go ahead. I've been reading uh, some Neil Gaiman lately. Um, I'm reading uh, American. Oh, does he have any new books? Nah, well, maybe I don't know. I'm, I got too much stuff to read that I, I can't bother with new stuff. So I'm, yeah. I'm reading uh, American Gods. I enjoying it quite quite well. I'll probably finish on my flight back. So that's, that's yeah. Fine. You know, we're probably getting near the age that there's probably some curve. We get one of our management and consulting friends to do it, where the amount of existing stuff we still need to consume is overwhelming our ability to consume new stuff. So we oh, just yeah. write off new stuff. It, I, think, I think we we're gonna be done with new stuff. You, you could fit like music in that category. You know, it's like when you were, when, you, yeah. <laughs> when you were young and hip, you know, you're buying a, a, a album every week or so. And, you know, now I buy like two or three albums a year. Yeah. I, I have, I have been forced, forced, I tell you to listen to the modern music as, as I, as I am shuttled around in these very unsafe Ubers here in Santa Clara, fearing for my life. Having to listen to uh, having to listen to someone who is is a okay with his his uh, his lady being a stripper, and he's going to party with her when she comes home and brings that money. Uh, and and what was the other one? Uh, oh oh, sort of confusingly, another person who is in the club, as they used to say in my day, and uh, the answer to every question is no, over and over again. So maybe it was the same person actually, because that those two stories would mesh together well. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on in modern music. And I just, I just don't have time for it. I need, I got, I got a lot of Christopher Cross I need to catch up on. You used to get funky. Uh, you used to rock and roll every night and party every day. And now you're lucky yeah. to get funky once a week. That's right. I mean, have you ever been to a friend's house and they make you eat and the food's just no good? Like the chicken's like wood. You don't, you don't want that, that situation. I mean, that is a 15 minute song that you've got to figure out right there. Right. Like how about yourself, Brandon? What do you recommend this week? Um, well, while you're listening to uh, the old music, I'm going to recommend uh, our good dear friends at Wirecutter have updated their uh, best cheap 
in-ear headphones to replace your stock earbuds because you know i don't like to spend money on earbuds because i break them all the time so this is a good article they recommend they have not only do they have like a 25 dollars pair that they recommend is they even have a budget pick within the budget column which is the one i like it's the oh. sonic i don't know rp tcm whatever 125 ergo fit so they are amazingly 14 dollars, and i think they are <laughs> a very very what? good uh uh, sounding set of earbuds. It's great too if you listen to a lot of stuff, and you know you can just have like a spare um, pair in your in your backpack ready to go when you break um, or lose earbuds, like I do all the time. So I highly recommend that. It's cheap, here, good yeah. sounding. Uh, I use it okay. mostly for podcasts. The music sounds fine, but again, like I don't listen to any good. I'm music gonna I'm gonna look this up because here for all the Amazon uh, product and category managers we had that listen to us. Uh, first of all, great job, very enjoyable. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, if everyone at someone's in his fingerprinting, like you're, we're on your side. All right. But, uh, my wife, uh, is, you know, uh, is always losing headphones. So if there's one of those subscription services where I can get a new pair of headphones every week at like a 5% discount, I, I would be interested in that offer. That's, I would like to have that, that uh, available. Thank you. Well, uh, so d- definitely check those out, Cody. That'd be perfect for your wife or yourself. And then I also wanted to quickly recommend, based on your recommendation last week, Cote, didn't you were a big fan of the Southern Reach trilogy? Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's I was right. just gonna get. Uh, I haven't read the whole thing, but I, I was, so I was like, all right, I'll listen to this. I mean, and I was on Audible. So just so everybody knows, on Audible, you can get the entire trilogy for one credit. Is the book? It's called Area X, which is just all three books. Oh. Uh, in one. Wow, uh, one credit. In That's one big deal. old uh, credit, it's uh, 26 hours and 14 minutes of, uh, of uh, you know, Southern Reach trilogy stuff. Have, so, have you been listening to that? That'd be eerie to listen to. I've only uh, listened to, like, kind of the first part. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of getting through it myself. Well, there so. you but, go. Yeah. Well, just, uh, if, there, if there's any, like, uh, you know, uh, half-orc mages out there, get out your cred stick and go, uh, go, <laughs> go, go, go listen to the Audible. You've got to check that out. There you go. So I, I have I have a pairing recommendation. In addition to my recommendation of using fast.com so you can divide by eight and see if you can do math. Uh, like, I, 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 we, I was with our friend uh, Jean-Pierre, or JP, as we call him, uh, and uh, he recommended something called Loma al Trapo, which roughly translates as either towel meat or rag meat. And what you do is you get yourself a beef tenderloin and you wrap it in a wet towel along with some seasoning and a thick layer of salt. And you just lay it on some hot coal for basically like 30, 40 minutes or so. It's delicious. It's a, it's a good way to just blow through $75 worth of meat. Uh, and uh, it's definitely, definitely, definitely something I would, I would say. And, and there's a, it, it doesn't really, it's not technically like a good pairing, but I, I happen to have also bought a bottle of the botanist gin uh, that day. The only gin made on Islay where they make the Lafroy and other famous scotch scotches. And uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's a good gin. And I ran across another one here in Santa Clara called the rusty blade or something, which is gin. They age in Oak barrels. You should look into that. So that's uh, that's my recommendations. Wrap, wrap some beef in a towel and have Meat some and gin from Scotland. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do not recommend putting your your gin in a towel. Uh, put that in a cup. That's 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 what you want. So as always, thanks for listening. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm watching Matt Ray squirm as he'd like to leave for his flight. And uh, as this has been Software Defined Talk, which you can find at softwaredefinedtalk.com. This is episode 63. So long time listeners. 
people know that you can go to cote.io slash SDT 63 to find all the show notes. Now, I will put a link to all of the promos and discount codes and free books you can get from Pivotal and other things there as well. Or you can go to cote.io slash promos. And just one plug, we've got a little conference, the Spring One Platform Conference coming up August 1st to 4th in lovely Las Vegas. Most efficient airport to hotel transfer you will ever experience, except maybe going to a conference in an airport. Really, you've got to celebrate that part of Las Vegas. Uh, and it's going to be at the area, Aria, a new hotel that's supposed to be nice. And, uh, you know, I'll be there. So please, please come so that the like whole week that I'm thing is made even more worth it by talking with you dear listeners and with that we'll see everyone next time safe travels matt ray Thank don't you. eat the biscotti <laughs> all right bye